Welcome to this Thursday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, kicking things off this hour with a Walk the Talk segment about an issue that's a political hot button, especially during election season. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, a special Sanctity of Life segment with a special guest who has a a passionate interest in the world of adoption. Uh, A new report out from Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center uh, explains adoption perspectives of prospective mothers, and it takes a look at uh, the way women are approaching adoption versus abortion. There's been so much confusion uh, in the wake of the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe versus Wade. And you have a lot of women who are just panicking right now, thinking, oh my goodness, I don't have access to health care. This is the end of what happens if I get pregnant and I didn't want to be. Uh, Dr. John Knox is with me today here on The Bottom Line, President of the Opt Institute. We've got a link for their website up at thebottomlineshow.com. The Opt Institute has partnered with the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University to conduct this study on what are the attitudes, uh, what, what, basically what are the opinions, what are the thoughts, and they've put together a new study regarding adoption and abortion. Um, the study is called Adoption and Its Competitors in American Society. It was conducted by George Barna and the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian for the Opt Institute. And Dr. John Knox is with me here to discuss it. Dr. Knox, welcome to the Bottom Line Show. Thank you. I appreciate being with you, Roger. And I promise to call you John the rest of the way, but everybody's just getting it. My, yes. <laughs> everybody I know who has an earned doctorate, I say, you know, by golly, you're, you're, you deserve that respect. Um, let's talk about <laughs> the, Let's talk about the report first and foremost, kind of a general overview, because there are a lot of people who I'm always amazed that the research George does. But this one got me in particular about how few women know that adoption really is an option when they're facing what some might call a crisis pregnancy or an unplanned pregnancy. Talk about why it was important for the Opt Institute to commission this study. It almost seems and the research proved it. It almost seems that that adoption has been forgotten over the last 50 years in terms wow. of, of of how it's developed. Back when I was adopted in the 50s, there were hundreds of thousands of kids who were adopted. Mm-hmm. Last year, our research is showing that there were 20,000, little oh, under 19,000 something kids that were adopted. And it's, it, it's there's 700,000 or more families that want to adopt an infant. So you can see that the supply demand between the two is way out of balance, at least yeah. 40 to one in terms of families to, to who's available. And it's like it's been forgotten. It's mm-hmm. when, when faced with an unwanted or unintended pregnancy, um, it's either abortion or they're going to keep the child. It's, mm-hmm. it's like adoption has been forgotten from the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the things we learned in the research. I mean, adoption has changed. Uh, I think instead of calling it private infant adoption today, we ought to just call it open adoption. Mm-hmm. I mean, open adoption is where the woman is in control. And that's one of the things that we that we learned from the research is how much they didn't know. There were mm-hmm. there it showed that there were 30 million women of childbearing age who did not know that they get to pick the family that their baby's going to live with. I mean, wow. it, 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 I mean, it, it, and, and we, and there's so much confusion in the, in the, in the system. Uh, people think of it as foster care, right? And so mm-hmm. they, you, you get so many of these birth moms who think, oh my gosh, I would never put my child into that system. And I understand what they mean. I mean, in the foster care system, You've got the state that's in control. It's a complete closed adoption. And the state's Mm -hmm. making all the decisions, and you make none of the decisions. Under under private infant adoption, and the reason I think it ought to be called open adoption, is Mm -hmm. that the woman gets to make the decision. Today, she gets to pick the family. She gets to have her own lawyer, her own counselor, her own therapist, her own people to help her make her decision, to help guide her along the way and to support her. And there's no cost to her. Um, wow. You know, we, we even hear from birth mothers that, oh, it's too expensive. It's too difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. expensive at all. There's zero, there's zero cost to it. Yeah, that's fascinating. Dr. John Knox is with me today here on The Bottom Line from the Opt Institute, the Opt Institute study uh, that was conducted by George Barna at Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center is up at thebottomlineshow.com. The full report is called Adoption and Its Competitors in American Society. I was just crunching the numbers, John, a moment ago with regard to what you said about how many kids were adopted 
when you were adopted back in the 50s. And comparing that today, the number has fallen to by 80 percent. And yet the population of the U.S. has more than doubled. It would seem to me that with more out of wedlock births, more people choosing single parenting, and more women, you know, we know what the abortion numbers are vaguely here in the United States. And I say vaguely because we here in the People's Republic of California, I believe, lead the league in abortions. And yet no one will give up the numbers in terms of how many children are aborted. But you, you mentioned so many things. So I want to kind of circle back around and dig deep on some of them, because one of the things that we hear in the culture right now is, well, with the Dobbs versus Jackson case and Roe versus Wade being overturned and Planned Parenthood versus, versus Casey being overturned as well, women are losing their power. They don't have any fundamental rights. And yet everything you described about she has the decision whether or not she wants to be involved in a romantic relationship. She has the decision as to whether or not she wants to use birth control. And once she gets pregnant, she has three options, really, not just the one or even the two that people have talked about. And adoption seems to be the one that keeps getting kicked back. Can you help us walk us through? You hear from a young lady who says, I'm pregnant. I didn't think I was going to be pregnant. I'm not sure I can be a mother. Where do you pick up the, the dialogue from there? I haven't been in this for 40 years. For 40 years, I've been in the surety bond business in, in, in the commercial world, building and selling insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And okay. it was only a couple of years ago that I got back in, in after I sold my last company that I decided to start focusing on adoption. Nice. As a matter of fact, it was in California where that happened. I was at, I was mm-hmm. at my birth sister's house in Northern California, and her next-door neighbor had all of these women's rights signs across the front of her house. And, mm-hmm. and, and I started focusing on it's a woman's right to choose. And I thought, well, adoption is an option, which is really where the name of this organization came from. Interesting. Uh, on, on focusing on that when I was in California. And, and um, uh, that's what kind of led me, led me down that road. I don't know what happened over the last 40 years at how adoption just got out of the conversation. I don't know if it just disappeared. I suspect over time, over the last 40 or 50 years that it was pushed out. Since the Roe decisions come out, it almost, with all the attacks that keep coming out about adoption, and all the articles that keep coming out, it may be more of an orchestrated effort against mm. adoption. Interesting. Uh, that some of the some of the there there may be some people who don't want it to be a competitor in mm-hmm. the in the marketplace, which is interesting yeah. in how George titled his research in 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 terms of that that they 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 don't want women to consider it. They don't want um, uh, to go back and. And and uh, learn from Moses early in the Bible at, at, at the first open adoption and yes. understand kind of that, kind of where that where that came from and maybe they don't want that in our society. I don't understand why the churches today. I understand why churches don't preach on on abortion because they've got such a split of their of of, of their members in terms right. of where they're they're thinking about that. But I do not understand at all why they're not talking about adoption. We're all adopted into God's family. Amen. And those of us who got adopted into families got adopted twice. And we've mm. got the perfect role models in the Bible that can show us um, how wonderful adoption is. Um, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy for birth mothers. None of the, if you have an unplanned, unwanted pregnancy, it's not easy, but you do have three options. And and this is an option that certainly from the kids' perspective, and that's part of what we, we, we're promoting is the I Am That Kid program, talking about what it's like from our perspective. This is certainly a great option. And those of us that have been raised and know that there's wonderful families out there that want to raise these kids recognize that it, 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 it's an option that that should be considered. You know, Dr. John Knox is giving us a lot to think about here with regard to this study that was conducted in a concert, if you will, with Dr. George Barna at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. The study is called Adoption and Its Competitors in American Society, commissioned by the Opt Institute and conducted by George Barna. Uh, we've got a link for this up at the thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we're going to talk about how we get the adoption option back in the conversation, especially with younger women who seem to think that this is all about their rights and they've been convinced for such a long time that uh, it's, it's either you're going to be a mother 
or you have to terminate the pregnancy because you, you really there is no door number three. And door number three, as John can attest to, is a very wonderful option indeed. More of my conversation with John Knox of the Opt Institute in just a moment as the bottom line continues. By investing in the Wilson Financial Services 4D or four-dimensional account, your investment is guaranteed against loss. It provides long-term care benefits, permanent income benefits, and inflation benefits all at the same time. You know, I had a client come in this morning, and the first thing he asked me was, tell me about 4D money. I said, you've got an account right now that's one-dimensional. It's paying you 6% for the next three years, and that's the one dimension it has. I said, 4D money has four dimensions. It'll pay you 4 to 6% a year, but it has three additional dimensions. Number one, it'll provide you with long-term care benefits. Number two, it'll provide you with permanent income benefits. And number three, it'll provide you with inflation benefits, all under the heading of 4D money. So when I explain these things to people, they say, well, you know, that sounds too good to be true. I said, I know, but we have got millions and millions of dollars of clients' money in these accounts, and it's in black and white. It's true. Ask Dennis Wilson and his team at Wilson Financial Services to explain the four dimensions of their 4D account. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Dr. John Knox is my guest today here on The Bottom Line with the Opt Institute. And John, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you your role. It sounds like you're the grand poobah, or did you found the Opt Institute? I was the founder. Yeah, all right, excellent. And and I appreciate you you taking the time to say, okay, this is where God has me now after working in insurance for as, as long as you did. And to say, this is what, tell us about the name Opt Institute. Why did you choose that title? That came out of, we, the original the, kind of the parent organization is adoption is an option, which came mm. um, from, from, um, uh, from my trip that I was talking about to California. But yeah. um uh, as we started thinking about what we needed to do and, and how to be effective, um, we knew we needed to do research. We needed to know what the real information is. Uh, when people started telling me how many private adoptions there were, the last report they had was in 2014. Mm. And I'm, let me back up before that. The federal government quit counting private adoptions in 1975. And so when we talk about what, why it went away, it's kind of like you quit counting it, it starts going yeah. away. I mean, that, 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 that may be a big part of it. There may have been something to that, that that happened right after Roe a couple of years later that quit counting private adoptions. But um, uh, it, it, um, uh, that, that's a little bit of where that went away. And then as we realized we needed to do research, we needed uh, to form uh, an organization that could help attract other people and attract the best thought leaders in the in, in, in the industry. And so that's where we decided the Opt Institute. And so um, optimism or adoption or all of that seemed to kind of fit and Opt seemed to be the right name. I love it. I love it. Well, it's very positive. It's very encouraging. And I realize that uh, uh, those who are just tuning in to our conversation, as we look at the findings from the American Worldview Inventory and uh, then with the adoption and its competitors in American society, you mentioned that uh, uh, that George Barna's uh, you know, phrasing of that really does help us understand what's going on because uh, the, the new research that he has conducted, finding out how many million women who are, I mean, when you take the number of women who are of childbearing age and then you ask them, you know, what are your options? How few understand that um, that adoption is an option in spite of the fact that the number of women of childbearing age is pretty high who have been adopted. I mean, that, that I, but you mentioned something before, John, I want you to circle back around and help us understand today why this is part an important part of the conversation. And that was quite simply when they stopped counting, people stopped paying attention. I heard a statistic not too long ago. I think it was the governor of Kentucky said, I could empty the foster care system in a heartbeat with all of the families who, who apply for adoption here. But then there's that government thing says, well, we like foster care. And as you mentioned, foster care, the government has all the control. But for private adoptions, though, I mean, th th this industry sounds like it's primed for a huge explosion of growth. Is it not? I think it really is. And I think it's it's. Um... It, it's getting the word out, and it may be changing some of the dialogue. I think when we say private infant adoption, people mm – -hmm. um, somebody I was talking to recently said that sounds like it's closeted. Mm. And, um, and and that that's where I, I really think that, that I'm going to continue to push for 
calling it open adoption because yeah. that's that is it's it it really is what it is. It's open and it's open to the woman having the choice and having ha- having the control and the power. Uh, I don't want it to to sound like it's 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 closed or secretive or something that way. The reason it was called private infant was to separate it from the government type type program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's part of the part of what's missing out there is today is for the women to realize that they do have the control. There is uh, I love how you put it when we went into break on on there is a door number three. Yeah. Uh, there, there is an option that they should consider if they're not ready, if they're not in, in a, a, a marriage and prepared to have these children and, and, and to raise them, uh, in a certain way, um, then, then they should look at the number of tremendous families. I mean, there's 700,000 families that want to adopt an infant. And the birth mother, um, if she if she has a good agency or someone good that, that that's helping her through the process, a good attorney or a good agent with it with an adoption agency, she she can have the um, the people that can help her become a great picker and help mm-hmm. her figure out what's right in terms of the family that she wants to pick and who she wants to raise that child, and uh, she needs to know that she's got that. Yeah, it, it's not something that should be here buried. Yeah, it's amazing. And John, I appreciate the work that the Opt Institute is doing, not only commissioning George Barna and the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University to conduct this study, but now that you have the the data, now that you have the uh, the information, I was very surprised to read in one of the pieces that. What, what's interesting now is we've got this, you, you mentioned the communication gap in terms of how do we change the, the dialogue that we're using? How do we change the, the verbiage? But then when it comes to the people who are best informed about adoption, it's typically women in their 40s who are married and upscale. And when you think about the women who are facing, uh, you know, the, the, the pregnancy challenge, if you will, or whether you call it crisis pregnancy or unplanned pregnancy, those who would be, uh, you know, perfect, perfectly suited to become an adoptive parent or release that child for adoption. They don't fit those categories. So it sounds like we've got some mission work to do, especially among those who know and have that information with those who don't. How does the OPT Institute help bridge that gap? I think that's true. The other thing that George's research showed that was the most surprising is who influences those women. I would have thought their peer, their friends, their peers, um, the Internet, I would have thought those would all be high on the list. Mm-hmm. And they weren't. When you get away from family, the biggest influencers were doctors. Wow. And so you have the med- you have doctors influencing and 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 um, and then and then therapists and advisors. We've got a whole generation. Uh, George put it that it's almost like parenting is being outsourced today mm. to the to the specialists. Right. That that if you. Um, if you have a problem in school, you go to the tutor. If you have a problem with this, you go to the therapist. You know, what, what, whatever it is, and so all of a sudden you have a crisis, you turn to the professional. And mm-hmm. so you're turning to the medical community uh, so often for your advice in terms, in terms of what decisions you're going to make, that this is going to affect, um, affect you for the rest of your life. And, and um, it's, it's, you're in a temporary crisis. But I think when people think about kind of their whole life and where it is and take a different perspective, that's where you would think that the church would be a higher influence than being down um, uh, at 12% on the list of who's influencing. But it's it's those outsourcing therapists and doctors that are high on the list. That's a it's a it's a staggering statistic, but it's one if we're going to be honest about what the situation is and how we can help, uh, we have to pay attention to these statistics. And Dr. John Knox, the founder of the Op Institute, is my guest today here on the Bottom Line. We're talking about the new study that Op Institute commissioned George Barna and the American uh, the well the as he's taken a break from the American worldview inventory, he has put together this brand new study that uh, is with regarding adoptions and quite frankly the competition. That adoption has adoption and its competitors is the name of the study. Uh, John, we've got a couple minutes left in our time together, and you brought up the pastoral role and the church. Uh, I, I know there are a lot of people in the church who are passionately pro-life. They'll go to the abortion clinic, they'll picket, protest, do whatever they need to to try to convince a woman to not have an abortion. But then, when it comes time for 
you know, resourcing and things like that. It sounds like the church could be doing a much better job. So you got my pulpit here for the next couple of minutes. Give us a good biblical exhortation as to why this needs to be a part of ministry, not just showing up at the abortion clinic and saying, don't kill your kid, but showing everyone who is in a situation like this why adoption is really the best option for them if they're not planning on being parents. I think what the church can show is is the love that's available that 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 is that is there in these families that's available. We had a case in in Texas in the hill country in a, in a small town just recently a 16 year old girl and uh, and her boyfriend that got pregnant and and she was a a volleyball player and he was the quarterback of the football team mm. and this whole town came together to back them and support them uh he went to every one of her doctor's appointments he she, he was with her all the way through that pregnancy right through the placement of that with 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 a wonderful family that adopted that child but i think when that whole town was able to kind of see that come together and they were able to see that that model of, of of what happened and how wonderful that went, and uh, they've been very open about it and willing to share about that. It's so redemptive for them, and it's so mm-hmm. redemptive for all the people that got to see that. That's the kind of messaging that I think our churches can pick up on, that they can show, that they can model, that that. Um, uh, there's no, there's no sin to adoption. There's no grief. There's, you should not have grief around that. It's a beautiful thing. Is it sacrificial for the, for the birth mother who went through that? Sure it is. But is it, is it something that they're going to be very proud of and that they're going to look back later in their life and be thrilled with? I think in this case that they absolutely will. And that's what we're seeing in the, in the videos that we've done under I Am That Kid that's on our site that, that talk about, we've probably got about 12 videos now, some of which are not up there yet, that are continuing to show uh, how wonderful uh, it is to have been adopted and being raised in this family. And that's a message that needs to get out and people need to consider. It's a message of hope. It's a message of encouragement. It's a message of empowering. And I I can't stress enough how that word alone, uh, Dr. John Knox, really just jumped off the page at me and right out of your voice, you know, from your lips to my heart, sharing that about how so many young women outside the church are facing this situation and a, a pregnancy that they thought they had you know, planned that it would not happen. And now they're being told by the culture, by their doctors, well, your option is you can have the abortion today or next week, as opposed to, you know, adoption is something that will give them full control of what happens to that child's life. And it's one of the best and most rewarding experiences that they can have ever have. Dr. John Knox, the founder of the Opt Institute. We've got a link for their website up at thebottomlineshow.com, as well as the report that they commissioned George Barna and his organization at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University to put together. It's called Adoption and Its Competitors, uh, results of a national survey regarding adoption in the U.S. here in 2022. It's about 37 pages long or so, a very easy read, but a very worthwhile read. And I encourage you, especially in pastor, uh, to get a look at this, get a hold of this, pray about this, and check out the Opt Institute website for more information on how you can become a conduit for adoption through your church. Dr. John Knox, a pleasure to get to know you, sir. Thank you for the great work that you're doing, and thanks for your time today here on The Bottom Line Show. Really appreciate it. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Wow, what a powerful Walk the Talk segment today here on The Bottom Line featuring John Knox, the founder of the Opt Institute, optinstitute.org, is where you'll learn more about adoption and why that adoption option is so critical, especially now that we're finding more and more studies that are revealing that uh, a lot of women who are going in for abortions don't even know that adoption is an option, and I'm grateful that John Knox and the Opt Institute partnered with our own Dr. George Barna at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University to back this study about adoption options. Some final thoughts in just a moment as the bottom line continues. 
Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, thanks again to John Knox for joining me from the Opt Institute, talking about that study that they funded for uh, George Barna's uh, Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University that basically uh, debunks one of the big myths, one of the big lies out of the abortion industry, and that is if a woman is pregnant, finds herself with a pregnancy that she did not plan on having, assuming that she engaged in sexual encounter but had taken, quote-unquote, protections, uh, the big lie is that the only thing you can do to further your uh, your livelihood, your education, whatever, it's a lie from the left that your only option is abortion or that your only option is to abort the child or become a mother and be stuck in poverty the rest of your life, et cetera, et cetera. Adoption is a huge option. And it's amazing how many women don't know about that third rail in that conversation. Go to optinstitute.org for more information about the work that they do in helping Adoptive parents get connected with kids who are about to be released for adoption. It's a beautiful connection indeed. We'll take a quick break, and as we continue to talk about walking the talk, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez has a powerful story to share with us about why we are living in such exciting times right now, having battled COVID himself and uh, know what it's like to look to Elijah and Elisha to talk about how the dark times we're living in may in fact be a reality, but his new book is called Persevere with Power. What heaven starts, hell cannot stop. We have a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Samuel, Samuel Rodriguez joins me next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, a special guest joining me once again for another great conversation here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, along with Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, the uh, fa- senior pastor of New Season Church, one of America's fastest-growing megachurches in uh, in the nation, uh, campuses in Los Angeles and Sacramento, and he is the author. He's a movie producer. He's a man of many talents. He has a brand-new book out called Persevere with Power, What Heaven Starts, Hell Cannot Stop. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, welcome back to The Bottom bottom line show. Thank you for having me, my friend. Honored to be with you again. This this book is really taking a lot of people by surprise and also by storm, I think because there are so many people who are saying, gosh, it looks like we're living in times where it's end times like, or it's so, it's so chaotic, it's so catastrophic. And yet at the same time, I don't know how it is for you, uh, Sam Rodriguez, but I'm talking to a lot of people too who say, I think God is up to something. I, we're on the breakthrough of something really huge, and it really is just a matter of who's going to persevere, who's going to hang in there. Where, where do you see, how do you see the church in 2022 right now? Completely correct. Uh, you know, first of all, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. We're, you know, <laughs> we, we are living in a brand new reality. I'm a Trekkie. So in my crazy Trekkie mindset, it looks like we're in a parallel a mirror universe, hmm. an alternative universe. But in, in reality, here's what we have. We have this chaotic, uh, deconstructive modality in place. It's full of anarchy, moral relativism, uh, spiritual apathy, cultural decadence. It, it, we're spiraling down that rabbit hole, right, mm-hmm. um, of just everything that is counterintuitive to the purpose and the will of God. With that being said, it's not the first time ever in human history we've been down this proverbial slippery slope. Throughout the course of human history, there is this tug. It is a fleshly, sinful, induced push to come against the will and the way of God, the purpose and design of God. And when this happens, we have seen historically that God always has the final word. Amen. So for your for your audience, let not your heart be troubled. You know, what is the enemy attempting to prevent? That's the question we should be asking. Genesis 1-2, and darkness prevailed upon the face of the deep. Genesis 1-3, let there be light. Mm-hmm. So we may be living in a 1-2 moment, but right after that darkness comes an amazing light that will shine the glory of Christ. So I'm convinced the next thing to fill the world will be the glory of the risen Christ. Amen. Amen. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and the new book, Persevere with Power, What Heaven Starts, Hell Cannot Stop. We've got a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Your opening chapter in this book, you come right out with it, talking about prophetic power for pathetic times. Are we living in pathetic times, and do we have a biblical parallel um, outside of the book of Genesis that we could kind of compare yeah. things to? Yeah, we're living in pathetic times. Uh, we're, li- we're living similar to the time of 1 Kings 17, 18, 19, 
We're living in times parallel to the times of Ahab, mm-hmm. Jezebel, and Baal. Mm-hmm. And, and as you all know, Ahab was this king of Israel who was committed, First Kings 17, to rebuilding the walls of Jericho. He was committed to rebuilding the things that God already brought down. A very wicked king. His wife was nasty on steroids, Jezebel. Mm-hmm. And Baal was this idol worship primarily focusing on the next generation. They were literally sacrificed children on the altar of Baal. We're living in that time. And in in the midst of this similar Ahab, Jezebel, Baal reality, we have Elijah and Elijah's modern-day, Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-empowered, committed to biblical orthodoxy, to the the finished work of Christ. But we have modern-day... New Covenant, Elijah and Elisha's rising up saying, hold on a moment, hold on. No, 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 silence is not an option. Complacency is captivity. We will confront Ahab on Mount Carmel. We will confront Ahab on our social media platforms, in our streets, in our our communities, not with hatred or or, rhetoric that is full of hate and animus, but rather with the truth and the love of God. But this conflict avoidance mentality, this complacent, comfortable Christianity mindset must be pushed back for more of, of a, an Elijah, Elisha spirit that is willing to confront Ahab and Jezebel in the mighty name of Jesus. Mm. That's powerful word, wording from Pastor Samuel Rodriguez today here on The Bottom Line. The book Persevere with Power is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and especially as you get to 1 Kings 18. That's one of my all-time favorite stories of God's power uh, in the presence of the evil that's all around it. Now, you talked about, you know, we, we don't want to be uh, go along to get along, comfortable, complacent. There, there needs to be co- confrontation done in love. But you have to admit, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, I mean, when you look at what the way Elijah handles the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18, there, there's a little bit of pride there. I mean, there's a little mad dogging going on there in terms of like, oh, yeah, maybe they're asleep. I mean, t- how do we do this lovingly but also confidently? This is, this is the most politically incorrect confrontation you could ever point to. Because literally the prophet Elijah states explicitly, do your Hebrew exegete, please. He literally says, Maybe your God is in the toilet. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe he's he, actually, he actually says that. Maybe he's relieving himself. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, again, we, I, my concern right now, Roger, is just, we, we have the church with this sort of uh, escapism mindset. And, and I, I do believe in that Jesus is coming back. Of course, we all do. But yes. while we are waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. And so we need the church to arise. There are so many Ahab, Jezebel, Baal ideologies, constructs, philosophies. There are even extensions of government attempting to infringe upon our God-given rights to worship and praise and express ourselves. It's big government. It's totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. The church must rise up for such a time as this. So I don't want, you know, the Elijahs of our current day and age, you know, to, to mock the other side, the way Elijah did, but I do want the Elijahs of today's day and age, if Jesus was willing to flip the tables in the temple, and he was willing to curse a fig tree, I think we have some authoritative power to look at current realities and say, no more. We are what we tolerate, and we will no longer tolerate this assault on our Judeo-Christian value system, on truth, on love, on grace, on the image of God, especially this assault on our children and our children's children. No more. It's interesting, as Pastor Samuel Rodriguez is talking about what is in his brand new book called Persevere with Power, I think of so many different major incidences that have happened, or incidents that have happened in the culture of the past couple of years. Of course, we've talked about COVID and how it, it impacted your family. It's impacted a lot of our listeners, and how it's impacted a lot of churches, too. And I saw, I see many churches who, uh, you know, d- did the, yeah, okay, well, we're going to abide by it, we're going to be safe, but we're going to continue to gather, and others that really just turned tail and ran. I mean, I, I I don't mean to be disrespectful to some of them because I realize some of these pastors are in our listening audience right now who just they're just now opening back up again. I mean, they've 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 lost a tremendous amount of momentum. Is there a lot enough momentum for the true church, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, to continue on the way you've described in this brand new book, Persevere with Power? There is enough momentum because we you know, the church is not the NFL. We're not Ford. We're not Starbucks. We're the only institution, the only entity 
in the entire universe guaranteed to never, ever, ever be shut down in perpetuity. We can't be destroyed. Matthew 16, 18, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. So we're guaranteed to succeed. Uh, we're not perfect right now because we have human components, of course, and but but we are guaranteed at the end of the day that we will not just survive. We will thrive. We are the bride of Christ. But this requires our current church leadership to rise up with the tenacity, with the faith, with the fortitude, with the wherewithal, with the spirit of Elijah, which is, of course, the Holy Spirit now, to, and rise up and say, wait a second. Wait, we can't permit government to shut us down in perpetuity. Hold on a second. There must be a better way for us to continue to have church together in a safe way. Now, we're coming out of COVID. The Omicron barrier kind of dealt with that now. Mm -hmm. See what's happening in the UK with Boris Johnson, the declaration and so forth. But the reality is when we look back at this day and age, we need to analyze how much damage did we permit to take place. Mm. As pastors, as leaders, I think we're all going to be held accountable. I think my generation of pastors will be held accountable for how we responded, not just to a pandemic. It's way beyond the pandemic. How we responded to authorities that have no authority whatsoever in literally shutting down the church. Did we permit it? Were we complacent? Uh, Were we complicit? These are questions we're all going to have to answer one day. Powerful words of uh, exhortation from pastor and author Samuel Rodriguez today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called Persevere with Power, What Heaven Starts, Hell Cannot Stop. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get into something that he writes about in this brand new book. He calls The Jericho Promise and The Jordan Discovery. We'll talk about those and more in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law has a reputation for excellence, not just among previous clients, but also among colleagues. I'm an attorney. I've had clients that have issues in the area that Stephanie works in, and she's my first referral source. First of all, the area that she works in is an area where it's not that easy to find attorneys that I feel comfortable with. I think she has a lot of empathy, which helps because sometimes we attorneys don't have as much as we should have. She's extremely detail-oriented. She's very conscientious and just does a really kind of exceptional, almost overboard job in, in preparing cases. I've never had anybody come back with any negative comments. Everybody's been very happy with, you know, her professionalism and the way that she approaches cases. Choose the personal injury attorney with personal integrity, Stephanie Cover of Cover Law, 877-214-4935. Samuel Rodriguez, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, a true warrior uh, for the kingdom, and uh, grateful to have our time together with talking about his brand-new book called Persevere with Power, What Heaven Starts, Hell Cannot Stop. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Samuel Rodriguez, the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, which is the world's largest Hispanic Christian organization, 42,000-plus U.S. churches, many additional churches spread throughout the Spanish-speaking world as well. Um, His uh, New Seasons Church in Sacramento and Los Angeles, uh, packed to the rafters just about every weekend. And uh, In this brand-new book, uh, Pastor Rodriguez, you talk about the, the importance of persevering with power, the, the understanding as Christians, pastors, lay people, the whole shot, that what heaven has started, hell cannot stop. And you write about in this book something you call the Jericho Promise and the Jordan Discovery. I want you to unpack that for us, if you would. That Jericho Promise, this story, of course, centers the entire book on one powerful verse, First Kings nineteen nineteen. We find a man, Elisha, pushing a plow, literally farming pushing a plow. This is, as a movie producer, this is just one powerful scene in itself. No conversation. Do your biblical due diligence. There is no conversation. Elijah, the rock star prophet of his generation, of his day and age, passes by this plow pusher, places his mantle, his cloak. It, it's a raincoat sort of uh, a motif that, that demonstrated his prophetic authority in the community. He placed it upon this plow pusher and walks away like a boss. Mm. It changed the history of Israel. And then subsequent, Elisha follows Elijah, and they go to Gilgal. They go to Bethel. Then they end up in Jericho, and then subsequently in the Jordan. The Jericho promise is that place. Elijah takes Elisha basically to Jericho and says, before you do your ministry, 
You need to know the significance of this place. This is the place. I love that. It's the place that we and I, you and I both know from Sunday school where Joshua marched around and the walls came down. Mm-hmm. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. It's for our children. What if I tell your audience right now that what we're confronting in our generation has very little to do with us and more to do with the next? Mm. The, the, the faith of our generation will determine the fate of the next generation. And that's the reality, meaning if we do this right, our children will not inherit our sins. Our children will inherit our blessings. Hmm. If we do this right, our children will not inherit our mistakes. Our children will inherit our mantles. But it requires us to adhere to that Jericho promise. For us to raise our children with the values from the Word of God, our Christian value system is so critical. And right now that stands confronted with ideologies and school systems in the public sphere, in culture that are counterintuitive to eternal truths embedded in the mm-hmm. Word of God. That's why we're responsible for that Jericho promise. But it's there. If we do this right, our children will not inherit our mistakes. They will inherit our mantles. And then we take the next generation to the Jordan. And I love that. We show them that the same God who made a way for the Israelites to step into the promised land is the same God who will make a way for us. And he'll do it personally. He'll do it corporately. He is the way maker. He is the God of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. But he is the God of John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. And we serve the way maker who is the way. And these are the promises from both Jericho and the Jordan that we should be teaching our children and our children's children. I'm talking with Pastor Samuel Rodriguez today here on The Bottom Line about his brand new book called Persevere with Power, What Heaven Starts, Hell Cannot Stop. And uh, Samuel, as you're talking about that way maker, I think about that song, that praise song that became so popular during the early stages of the pandemic. It seemed like every church in America was singing that song during their online worship services or when they did get together. And it does, it reminds us that just because the circumstances around us don't look good, they don't look promising, they don't look hopeful, it doesn't mean God won't make a way, as I've seen this meme a lot in social media the past couple weeks especially. It's like, look, God didn't remove the Red Sea, he parted it. You know, he made a way through it. And, And we have to remember that. How do we keep our eyes then on the ultimate prize when there's so many distractions, there's so many political problems, there's world powers kind of maneuvering for position and people running around trying to figure out when the end is going to happen. How do we keep our eyes on the prize, Samuel Rodriguez? The finished work of Christ. I I love it. Christ is my everything. The Apostle Paul writing in Colossians chapter 3, he just declares outright. He's laying out the current day and age, the cultural melees, even some infighting within the confines of this new emerging church. And the Apostle Paul has like this Selah moment, similar to David in the Psalms. And he, and he stops for a moment, Colossians chapter 3, and just says, you know what, here it is. Bottom line, Christ is my everything. Mm. Praise be God. If, if we can just remember that, and I just want to remind your audience, because we've all lived through this, right, for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I want to remind your audience, when Christ is our everything, then we're certain of the following. There's not a Supreme Court decision a legislative initiative, a law, or a social media campaign that has the power to stop God's Holy Spirit from moving. Amen. Nothing can stop the Spirit of the living God from moving. The White House can't, the court systems can't, Google, Facebook, social media, big tech can't do it. Nothing can stop the Spirit of the living God from moving. And the Holy Spirit is still the most powerful spirit on the planet today. How do we help Christians? Uh, and I'm seeing this a lot. How do we help Christians, true members of the faith? Because I think God did shake the tree and prune some of the branches off over the past couple of years. I, I'm sure you would yes. agree that people that I we agree. thought people that we thought were very strong in the faith kind of tucked tail and ran, and and others even boasted about it. You know, this whole evangelical movement. But talk. How do we encourage Christians? to engage in the battle and, and, and fight for the faith, to a- advance the kingdom, as opposed to packing our bags and stand at the station and just hope that the Holy Spirit's going to come by and take us on home. Speaking of the Elijah-Elisha connection, we're kind of waiting for the chariot to come down and pick us up so we can yeah. get out of here unscathed. But how do, how do we mobilize rather than just pack and run? Eschatology and missiology. We have to reconcile our eschatology over missiology. So we we understand that Christ is coming. In the meantime, what do we do? 
Are, are, are we called to be a church in a fetal position? Are we called to submit to absolutely every whimsical inclination, every deviant inclination of government or culture? Or are we called to be a prophetic voice, to be light in the midst of darkness, a city on a hill? Are we called to occupy until he comes? And the answer, biblically substantiated, is yes. So the church needs to rise up. Every Christian needs to rise up, which means what? Beyond prayer, prayer is powerful. Beyond living that holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring life, according to the Word of God, rise up. Become active in your school district. Become active in your city council. Become active in your city. Become active in the education of your children or your grandchildren. Become active. Become a voice. One more time. Let me lay out that rubric that I've laid out on so many occasions. Mm -hmm. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Mm. We, are, we are what we tolerate. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. Truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political or cultural expediency. That's the rubric. That's the outline. And when we are driven by anointing rather than ambition, nothing can stop us. When, we, when integrity is more important than influence, nothing can stop us. And when our hunger for righteousness is greater than our fear of criticism, nothing will ever be able to stop us. We've had the privilege of broadcasting the Bottom Line show on KBRT in Southern California, KCBC in uh, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez's neck of the woods, uh, Sacramento area for uh, 11 years now. And I'm going to venture a guess, Sam, that that may be the most powerful minute and a half that we've ever had on the program in terms of what you laid out well, spiritually and biblically. I'm I'm just in awe and and I don't awe very easily. We've had politicians, we've had we've had all sorts of influencers here on the program and obviously the fact that you God has brought you into the forefront with the past uh, couple of presidential administrations and the work that you've done. Um, but that 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 will preach all day, every day, and not just on Sunday. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that you took the time to be with us, not only to share that, but also that your book, Persevere with Power, What Heaven Starts, Hell Cannot Stop, um, is, is having such an impact on so many lives. 60 seconds left in our time together, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. What is your encouragement? What's your exhortation for the church right now? Bottom line is Jezebel threatened Elijah's life. 24 hours he would die. He did not. As a matter of fact, it's been 2,800 years. Elijah has yet to die. The Bible states hmm. in Second Kings chapter 2, verse 11, he was taken up, chariot of fire separated, a whirlwind took him up. He never died. I'm here to tell you whatever the enemy has declared upon you, your family, the church of Jesus Christ, let not your heart be troubled. In Christ, the very opposite will take place. Get ready for an awakening that will surprise the world. Boy. Sammy Rodriguez, the book Persevere with Power, a must-read for every believer. What heaven starts, hell cannot stop. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Sammy Rodriguez, as always, a pleasure. Thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Honored to be with you, my dear friend. Thank you for having me. Boy, it's always a pleasure to have Reverend Samuel Rodriguez on the program, and uh, today was no exception. Persevere with Power is the name of the new book, What Heaven Starts, Hell Cannot Stop. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and a copy of the book to give away right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. And Teresa's standing by taking your calls. By the way, we've also got a link up for pastorsam.com up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Samuel Rodriguez understands what's happening in the culture right now and says, hey, look, this is not one of those pie in the sky type of feel good, go, go, get him, get him type of messages here. When you look at the Old Testament prophets and look at the the opposition that they were up against in their culture, it doesn't look a whole lot different than the opposition that we've been facing of late in the church. The not so great news is that opposition is only going to be more intense there, there's, there's no way to sanitize this or to say, hey, you know what, we, we're just going to eliminate the problem. I believe that God is using these challenges in our world to strengthen us in our faith and our resolve. And whether it's you feeling led to a different part of the country and wanting to move and do whatever, or people are, you know, you've lost someone to a, an illness and, or job situation, the inflation, the economy, whatever it is, we can persevere with power. Because if you understand, first and foremost, that this is God's movement in your life, that God's allowing these things to happen to strengthen us in our faith, 
makes it a lot easier to get those workouts in if you understand that, uh, yeah, your muscles are sore today, but they'll be stronger tomorrow. The book Persevere with Power by Dr. Samuel Rodriguez is up at thebottomlineshow.com. What heaven starts, hell cannot stop. And we're giving away a copy right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. My thanks again to Reverend Samuel Rodriguez of the National Hispanic uh, Leadership Coalition and a pastor and author of a great book called Persevere with Power, What Heaven Starts, Hell Cannot Stop. We've got a copy to give away at 800-227-5278. Tamara slipped me a note during the break, and I want to share it with you. It says, Roger, guess what? We actually have two copies of Reverend Rodriguez's book to give away. That's even better. Twice the fun here on this Thursday. So, We're going to give away two copies of the book Persevere with Power right now, Uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book we're giving away by Reverend Samuel Rodriguez called Persevere with Power, What Heaven Starts, Hell Cannot Stop. Um, I'm always, uh, I don't know why this is fun for me to look through, but I'm looking at the number of people who endorse this book. Daryl Strawberry, guest on the Bottom Line Show. Robert Morris, Gateway Church, guest on the Bottom Line. Ann Graham Lotz, guest on the Bottom Line. Greg Laurie, guest on the Bottom Line. Um, let's see, Franklin Graham, guest on the Bottom Line. Jensen Franklin, guest on the Bottom Line. Dr. Tony Evans, guest on the Bottom Line. <laughs> you get the idea. Uh, we've been so blessed over the past 11 years to have so many wonderful guests here on this program, but I want to encourage you to embrace the mantle of power, patience, and provision during these strategic times. The power of uh, spiritual momentum and holy confrontation. The idea that if we keep, I'm hearing this a lot in the writings of the pastors that we talked with, and heck, we had uh, R.T. Kendall on not too long ago talking about Elisha's double portion, and now here's Pastor Samuel Rodriguez writing about the same thing. But the name of the game, I know this is key in my family, as far as what God is doing in our lives, ministry-wise and otherwise, health-wise, and that is Jesus looking at each of us and saying, eyes on me. When you're in a big crowd and you can't make it through when you were a kid, what did your parents tell you? What did your teachers tell you when you were out there? What did your coaches say? Don't look at the distractions in the, the stands. Don't look at the other team if you're playing a sport. Coach says, eyes on me. Your parents say, eyes on me. Jesus says, eyes on me, because when you look at him, then you have the eyes on the prize. And ultimately, each of us is working for a crown that's bejeweled and bedazzled that will receive from God to lay at Jesus' feet. Amen and amen. That's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And Rabbi Schneider with Discovering the Jewish Jesus is next. For those who remain on the network, I really encourage you to listen to the entire hour of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast because the gloves came off in the second 30 minutes. We're talking about student loan debt forgiveness and also Anthony Fauci. That's coming up on NCR. Coming up next as the bottom line continues.